This is Four Network. Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is Wrestling Death and is scheduled for one hour. Maybe more. It has no real time limits making their way into your ears. First, from a place called Burniston, he is the Pyramid. It's going to be the funniest podcast out there because that's what I'm all about, baby. The comedy and the money. And his partner, Fela Tapender Stevenson. For Mexico City, to Beef Community Center. I've got stories that are going to blow your mind. Oh, that's right. It's time for Wrestling Daft. It's the best time of the week. You're driving home for your shitey job. And you're listening to us, and this is your job. Oh, they might go on their way. Oh, they might go on your way. You're working, you're working a night shift, or you're working your night shift up at the geriatric hospital, wiping their arses. Wiping the shite after arses. Well, we're sitting in here doing our podcast. My name's Rob Florence, and of course, we're here. The bold and beautiful. Right. You say your name, mate. You might say oh, your uh, name. Gredo. It's Gredo. It's the man himself. You know, I was just thinking about the intro there, right? Aye. Obviously, I get announced first, right? Which is like a thing you want it's in, the, in the telly and entertainment game. You're like, I want to be announced first. But then this is a wrestling thing. You don't Aye. want to be announced first. No, it's, you... it's the big name that comes Aye. out second. Aye. It's like, I'll bring Rabbit first and then we'll get everybody all amped up for Gredo coming out. Aye. I've just realised that. Aye, I, I, it's... it's, it's... I don't like that. It's and you know what I mean. I don't. It's embarrassing. I'd rather you go first. You're the kind of you're the kind of vet when it comes to you know telly stuff. I mean, don't be like media. you're like. No, you sound like here with this part, or you sound like Hogan when he gets interviewed. And he's like, you know, he's talking about this. Why he put his cell phone? No, it was nah. me. It was me. It was me. I sold all the tickets. I sold all it. Thanks for the host credo. Hi, neighbor. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. Oh man, this is episode five. Can you believe that? We're five weeks in already. Time flies, Biggin. Time flies. Five weeks in already. And we have got an amazing show lined up for you. We've got an amazing guest as well. Doug Williams, the ambassador of British wrestling. A guy who I look up to. A guy who I've wrestled. A guy that every UK wrestler should uh, respect and adore. And if there's any fans that are just new to wrestling that might not know Dougie Williams, go back and watch him because he's absolutely flawless. Flawless wrestler. I wrestled him once. In London at the the Coco in London, what a venue it was brown! It was like the kind of Manhattan ballroom, the way it was all Beautiful. set up. The only problem was was I was struggling. Not to, I feel as if I talk about shite quite a lot, but I had a colonoscopy the next day. You know, a camera mm-hmm. to be getting put up my bum. So I had just started taking this puddle that was basically flushing everything out. So I was quite scared wrestling that match that I'd maybe shit shit myself. So you had to be tensed. Aye, I had to be. I had to, I had to be very tense and also try to remember. How what me and Doug were going to date? It was it was very it was battling. Have I, did I tell you a story about my, the call? I could be. I think I have an issue. You've told it in an episode. Oh, I, fuck, I you want to tell it again, mate? <laughs> <laughs> Five episodes in, it's back. We're, I'm rehashing uh, the stories. <laughs> rehashing the part about he loves this colonoscopy <laughs> story. Last week after we finished recording, we were going down in the lift. He was like, "I need to tell you about this colonoscopy <laughs> I got once." <laughs> oh fuck! I can't. But I must it. have. If you were tensing up your ass all the way through that match, it must have really been a problem because there's a lot of wrestling moves in there where you need to have a really relaxed ass to do it. But um, like Styles Clash, you need to have you don't tuck you don't tuck your fucking chin for the Styles Clash, and you keep your ass relaxed. Your ass cheeks need to be really relaxed aye, to so take that. So you could fucking. There could be a potential for somebody's face to be caked in shite. Who were you wrestling 
Uh, were you working this weekend? Aye, I wrestled on Friday night. I wrestled Red Lightning at Paisley. It was Rudo. brilliant. Aye, Rudo wrestled him. Um, how, did that, how did that go? Aye, it was, it was when a was the last time you wrestled him? Oh, a good cut. Well, no, we wrestled each other early in the year in Aberdeen, but he was a guy that I wrestled quite frequent when I, when I first started Aye. after the Vice documentary. It was me and him, so we know each other well, but there was a time where... Oh God, the both of us, I mean, none of us are in the, the shape of our lives, but it was one point where we were wrestling and we just, we said to ourselves, we're just like a pair of slobs rolling about the ring and nobody's giving an absolute fuck. We were, <laughs> me and him, I remember one show we, we, had, we were so used to doing were kind of gaga and this night in Kilmarnock, we said to ourselves, no, let's actually try and wrestle tonight, let's actually go for it. <laughs> As I say, talk about a couple of guys, a couple of slobs rolling about the ring and nobody giving a fuck. That was it. And I remember, man, we're backstage going over, going over with what we were going to come up with. And, you know, he's in his cagoule, or his leotard, with a fag in his gub. You know, we're in a toilet. <laughs> right, we'll do this, pet, right, we'll spin out for a pedigree to rock bottom. You know what I mean? He's got his cagoule and a fag in his gub. <laughs> Put me in a pedigree in this toilet and folk are walking in. And I'm sorry, mate, just give me another match. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> It's fucking horrific. Sad. We, uh, we need to get him on the show. Uh, and is that, that was your only match this uh, weekend? Aye, sorry, that was my only match, mate. I, I, only I, one match? Aye, only. You're getting lazy, mate. It's because of the panel, mate. I can't... Um, I don't want to be doing too much. Because I'm... Honestly, the, the pantomime is a graft. You need to, is your, a graft. Your sweetie throwing arm. You need to protect it. <laughs> <laughs> you need to protect your wee fruit salad and wee blackjack throwing arm. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, by the way, last day of week... If you remember, right? I've got any news, really. Do I have any news? I'm trying to think if I have any news. Oh, I do. By the way, I do have news. Uh, as this goes out, goes out on the Friday. I'm not telling you when we're recording. It's a secret, right? But it goes out on the Friday at 3.16. That night, the state of it, my new teleprogram is on. Is it uh, on BBC Scotland? BBC Scotland, half 10. It's on iPlayer as well. Watch it. The state of it. It's on for six weeks. A comedy show. You'll like it. There's lots of wrestling in it. Is Ian Connell in it? Hey, by the way, Rudo's in it. Is it? Red Lightning's in it. Is it? Ian Connell isn't in it, no. no. Ian Connell's career's done. Have you patched him, eh? He's done. Have you patched him? You know, I've, I've marginated him. He's, mm. he's right through the fucking barber shop one day, that Ian Connell. So what's he then? Just sitting in his house, picking his ass? What's he doing? About, it's just sitting about like a big... Just his own fucking Twitter and all that and Facebook, just tweeting out old Burniston sketches, you know what I mean? <laughs> Moving on. Uh, remember we were talking about seeing wrestlers in weird places? Andrew Gilchrist got in touch with us. You know, big Andy Gilchrist. Oh, how you doing, Andy boy? Big Andy Gilchrist. I'm sure he went out uh, with my wee sister, Andy Gilchrist. Did he? I'm sure he did, aye. He says, I don't know if this counts. Well, don't fucking bother sending us it in. But after ICW Fear and Loathing, we went to Cat House oh. to watch Survivor Series and my mate gets steaming. What, his fucking, it was his mate that did it as well. It's not even, An it's not even Andy Gilchrist that did it, it's his mate. Oh, showing wrestling in the chaos. His mate gets steaming, walked up to Joe Hendry and said, Joe, you're my third favourite wrestler. That, that's the story. <sighs> Andy Gilchrist. Oh, right, my, wee Andy. Sister, my wee sister was right to dump you, mate. Andy, we've got to get a second chance. Tell us another story next week. <laughs> Give us another one. Try and redeem yourself. Tell us about your colonoscopy, Andy. That, I if you've had any colonoscopies, let us know about that. There's also been a lot of complaints, by the way, Grado. Have you heard these complaints? No, I've been about when this episode goes out. Oh. I know you've been in rehearsals and stuff, right? But let me tell you, you know, it's ep no, the, the podcast go at 3.16 on a Friday, oh. right? The fans are in uproar about it. They're like, bullshit about it. Jamie, so we've asked for other times that we could launch the show. Jamie Kerr says 11. Oh, I wonder why he said that. Because it's based on one of my famous sketches. ICW referee Sean McLaughlin, 
who's been desperate for us to say his name on this show, so. best referee in ICW, Sean McLaughlin, says the chosen one PM. I'd say Sean McLaughlin is my third favourite referee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if our friends at the Scottish Wrestling Network say one. 23 p.m. That's quite good, isn't it? One, oh, two, three. I like the count. Well, uh, my suggestion is uh, four in the morning. We just get uh, producer producer John up. Aye, to wake yourself <laughs> up at <laughs> quarter to four. Up fire on his computer and upload it. Aye, get up at one in the morning. Get mm-hmm. up, get the edit finished, and get it out. Funny enough, he's no healing it. He's at a gig. He's patches for a fucking gig. What gig is he away to see? Oh, I don't know. He, he, tell, he was at a, a fucking gig Bell and night. Sebastian or something. He's uh, away. Oh, I'm away to see Bell and Sebastian. It'll be something like that, won't it? I mean, it's not going to be. It's not going to be fucking one of the cool bands, is it? Like no. Jamiroquai. But I may. <laughs> <laughs> when can we get to the point where I made an arse of this show last week? Right. No. Last week there was a wee bit of controversial stuff, right? Because we awarded the listener of the week last week. And we couldn't decide between two brilliant contributors. So we had to do the flip of a coin. Now have a listen to this. Here's what happened. We're going to toss the coin. Blonde Brocky will be heads and Geach will be tails. Is it going to be? Here's a flip. And it is tails. It's so the blonde brocky <laughs> is listener of the week. I'm tired, mate. <laughs> mate, I'm coming in for these re- rehearsals and I'm absolutely bushed. Just in case anybody missed what happened there, right? The blonde brocky was heads. Big apologies there to uh, Geach. I think who's the champion. Uh, so what happens then? Does Geach? I don't know what happens. I think we maybe it's been need called to, the Grado screw job. It's the wrestling daft screw job. There's a, I've got a wee picture here printed out, and it's Grado's. He's at ringside, and all oh yeah, that carry uh-huh. on. A wee bit of Photoshop. Uh, but I don't know what we do. We're going to have to do some. Maybe we need to get these guys to Skype into the show. We need to vacate the title. We right. Need, we need to vacate the title. Uh, I don't think a tournament. <laughs> oh fuck! I hate a tournament. Oh, so do I. I hate a tournament. I hate tournaments. I hate it. I don't, you're lad, oh, I see that fucking guy wrestle three Aye. times in a row. Aye. You know what I mean? Uh, right, listen, so that's, we'll, we'll work it out. We'll, we're going to work on that, but that's, that's but let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> We've been blethering enough. Okay, now it's the time of the show where we like to bury and put over people. It's wrestling part of burying and putting over, if anybody there doesn't understand that. Basically, if you're burying something, it means that you're burying it, you're putting it out of sight. You're putting it under the ground, and if you're putting something over, and 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 the wrestling term of putting something over, what does it mean, Grado? It means it's good, right? No, uh, here's what the listeners have had to say before I say about who I'm putting over and burying this week, and before Grado says it, who he's putting over and burying. Conditioner B4L has got in touch. Conditioner B4L, uh, which sounds like some kind of prototype uh, hair conditioner product that has been proven to poison people. <laughs> conditioner B4L we need to take uh, we have to take conditioner B4L off the market it has been causing blindness <laughs> in people and he has put over or she has put over Kaylee Ray for winning on NXT massive show of Scottish talent she should be fighting on Survivor Series with the other champs why is she known Survivor Series Grado? don't know but Kaylee Ray is superb is there also no, another female wrestler there called Kyler Ray there is an AW, or at least there was Kyla Ray. Well, that's not she should. It's, it's, that's not right, right, there needs it? to be a. I'm sure Kaylee Kaylee would have had it first because it feels to me that Kaylee's been wrestling since she's about 13 year old. She maybe ba- back a- in Linwood, her, her, her and Stevie Boy started out together. It feels like a, a century ago. I remember training in Linwood with Linwood with her and Nikki Storm, and to see them get where they are now. Where they are now it's incredible, and they, they totally deserve it. They're great workers of absolute grafters. Grafters. Grafters is even the word. 
I remember just seeing Kayleigh Ray and, and going down to England where on like a Friday night and we were meant to go back up that same night and she got offered two bookings to stay down and work the Saturday and Sunday and you know she she just she just done it. She just Aye. put in the hours, put in the work, put in the miles and it's 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 paying off for her. The passion and the graft. Mm-hmm. No, you're right, Kylie Ray. And she's just like a normal lassie, it's weird, you know what I mean? She's so normal, Aye. she just There's a Kylie Ray and there's a Kaylee Ray and it needs to be sorted out. Kylie Ray has to be there has to be a battle of the rays. Aye. Kylie Ray, Kaylee Ray, maybe the manta ray that uh, killed Steve Irwin. Oh, there should be a Sue. Sewage, sewage. Litigation. <laughs> no? Sewage like? There should be Sue one there. Sue one there. I thought you were talking about like fucking sewage, like the sewers. No, I was like, what's, what's happening? Sue, as in the Colts and Right, that. aye. Conditioner B4L also wants to bury Jim Cornette's chicken comment. No need for that in today's society, and definitely not on wrestling TV, because as we all know, the last place. You want to find racism as in a wrestling show. Wrestling has a long history of not being racist. Um, no. What do you make about this Jim Cornette? Carry on. I have to admit, I enjoy Jim Cornette's commentary. I love I love listening to him, but you can't you get away with that. What you do you love, that. though? Here's the thing. What do you love about Jim Cornette's commentary? Is it... Is it it's just I, the old I school. Enjoy, I, enjoy. I just like listening to an old school yeah, guy and a familiar it's voice. It's a nostalgia. It's a nostalgia. It is a nostalgia. That's what it is. I just, I mean, I just don't think, I mean, just get him to... He's no, he's no worth it. The, the hassle that he brings, the hassle that he brings is no worth it. I think, you know what I mean? He's an old school guy with old school sensibilities. I don't Nobody think he, he can't be asked on to shows anyway. He, he, I listen to him in his podcast and he's just like, he has no interest. He's, he's just pure. He hates everything. He hates everything. Aye. And I, I don't know why he bothers, you know what I mean? But somebody, this is the thing, everybody was talking about some, that somebody should have caught that on that show, right? Somebody should have caught that. I, st- that, I can't believe that slipped through. To let that comment go out. And somebody should have caught it, you know what I mean? It's but, a shame. It's a shame that it did, but you know what I mean? Because obviously the video got pulled down and all that, and it's it's, it's no good for it's no good publicity for NWE, isn't it? No. no. Sometimes I think as well, though, these things, that sometimes I think it's just a wee bit inept, like it's somebody being inept. I think a lot of times people think this is a bad person has heard this and hasn't thought anything wrong about it and has let it go out. But I think sometimes there's just, uh, with a lot of things like this, maybe somebody's just been a wee bit inept or took their eye off the ball. You know, maybe it's the kind of company where there isn't a big body of people that are checking the product before it goes out and stuff like that, you know what I mean? But I don't know. I don't know. It's a weird one that shouldn't have happened. Shouldn't have fucking, get Jim Carnetti, fuck, man. It's fucking, tell you what's unfortunate. You see, it's unfortunate. Jim Carnetti's fucking mad. Chicken fucking face is unfortunate. Uh, <laughs> Gary would like, I'll fucking never work for Kernet now because of that. I'll never get a match on one of Kernet's uh, promotions. Gary <laughs> wants to bury um, the WWE hot shot and, and spunking the load on the NXT invasion, making a potentially huge angle feel stale and boring already. So Gary's already checked out all this drama. Have you been watching it? Have you seen any of this stuff? The, you know, this, the, all the brands are invading each other. Not that is it on. building up to Survivor Series? Is that the deal? Aye. NXT, right. NXT last night was, uh, well, say last night, guys. It's the magic of uh, podcasting here. Uh, two nights ago, uh, as this goes out, NXT was cracking, man. So are you, let me just get this right. Are you watching everything? Or no? What are you watching wrestling-wise? Because I'm not finding the time to, to catch any. What I do is I always make sure that I watch one bit of wrestling before I go to my bed every night and I always stick something on whether it be as even as much as a compilation of Dusty Rose's promos for an ECW match to you know 
anything. I always try. What, I, what you're actually watching every night is Walk Like a Panther before you go to bed, the British oh, do you know movie. What? That was horrific. I get invited down to that, man. <laughs> and I thought I was going to. Stephen Graham DM'd me on Twitter and was like, eh, mate. In fact, actually, a couple of years ago, Stephen Graham asked me for tickets to a show down in wherever he stays. Mm-hmm. And um, I managed to get the promoter to give him the tickets and stuff like that. And I, went, I wonder why he's coming to a show but it obviously made sense because he done walk like a panther yeah um and it's funny as well somebody had told me when i was down my insane fight club and this might be sounding like a big map for myself i don't care but somebody was telling me that uh the, the, the guy frost would you call him nick frost nick frost mm-hmm. had been watching my videos um for a movie for a wrestling movie and i totally forgot about it and then i realized he was on that fighting for my family oh, when he aye, was aye. on that yep yep so he was gone through uh <laughs> My videos on YouTube and stuff like that. Can what I mean? Just try to get an idea. So having a wank. So just <laughs> Nick Frost having a Nick Frost and Simon Pegg together on the couch having him? a wee wank. Do you blame him? Wanking each other. I like to think Nick Frost is wanking off Simon Pegg because Simon Pegg doesn't. Simon Pegg's too big now because of Mission Impossible. He would wank his cell off, so he has to get so Nick Frost is, to do it. Is that what Connell does to you? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking strawberry. They know how to give somebody a wank. Right now, Gary wants to put top. over. Jim Carnet, hopefully no longer bringing his vile shite to, all right, okay, all right, everybody hates Jim Carnet, forget it. Calzo wants to bury his wife laughing loud as fuck at he Jobby wants to bury Gredo. his wife, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound right, does he? Um, Don't her. be burying your wife, mate, unless she's dead. Don't be burying her. What you want to do is, right, you want to chop her up, right, and then you want to get quick lime, right, and then... He wants to put over the sheer size of Billy Gunn compared to the entire AEW roster. Now, oh, Billy Gunn, boy. did you see Billy Gunn on AEW? No. He was out What's in the ring. Was he? Did he get a match? Did he have a match? He was out doing a wee bit of work out there. No way, man. How I see that? No. Well, watch it then. And he was, uh, <laughs> but he looked massive. Oh, he's a big boy. Oh, he's a big boy. Did I ever he tell you about good. the time? Did I ever tell you about the time that he was on the same show as me in a rumble? And I says, look, mate, is there any chance I can get a line of your trunks? What music you come out to the night? He said he checked and he was coming out to the DX music, the suck it. And I went, right, mate, any chance? Well, I'm after you in the rumble. Can I come out to ass man using your trunks? <laughs> and he's like, I need bother. So he comes out, does his DX. It's him and Hardcore Holly in the ring. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 4, 4. I'm a nice man. I come out with his fucking trunks on. <laughs> my, my belly out, walking out to, to then Billy Gunn. Gets in the ring, Bob Holly and Billy Gunn. And I just. Go to the ring and the ropes and went, used to suck it. And um, I swear to God, you ever seen that video? No, oh, it's amazing. Oh, you need to see it. Yeah, that takes some balls, by the way. That's why you, that, that, because I don't, I'm no fear for these guys. A lot of folk are intimidated or I'm just getting shown. Holy fuck, look at this size. I'm just getting past footage of Billy Gunn. Oh, that's a wrestler, mate. I want to put this out to the listeners out there. That's right? a wrestler for you. See these listeners out there. I want them to picture this, right? And they're wrestlers themselves and they're on a show and Billy Gunn's on the show. In a million years, would you ever say to the guy, "Can I come out to your music and wear your shorts?" Aye, it's done it. unbelievable. Aye, and there's a, I've got I've got this great picture of me standing there wearing these trunks with a fag in my gum and a pint and a, a can of lager in my hand. That's why you're the best, mate. That's why you're the best. You had Vader's mask on as well, didn't aye, you? It fucking stank. Well, Vader's mask stank. Uh, aye, aye. I'd be disappointed oh, if it did, didn't he? Oh, that was brilliant. I've told you your story about what you said the next day, didn't I? Did oh, I tell you that? Aye, aye. But I don't, know, I don't think stories? you told the listeners though. Right, tagged with Vader. Mm-hmm. Right. I says, mate, can I wear your mask? Yeah, no problem, kid. Right, so I'm wearing the mask, and he's standing in the apron going, this is good shit, this is good shit, this is good shit. And uh, he comes in, and he gives about three chokes, lambs, does his Vader bomb, whatever. Bro, comes back, that was a lot of fun, you guys know what you're doing. 
And then the next day he's got a match with Wolfgang and I can and he's he's in the same room as me. I can <laughs> and I can hear him talking, talking about the match. Yeah, yeah, brother, yeah. Anything. Anything. That match I had last night was the shits. <laughs> I'm like, mate, I'm fucking standing right here, Vader. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Oh. I'm like that to my pals. Fucking he was all excited last night. Now you've seen the match was shit. I was devastated. I love that story. Rest in peace. Oh, hi, true. Wrestling. What I mean, what a guy he was. What what a wrestler. That's I, a wrestler by I, the way. I always remember as well. I know he, he done a gig in TNA, right? He came. <laughs> and he fought Bram. Anyway, here, kid, come here. Can I do my warm up with you? He's like, I'm like, I need bother. Lock up with me. So I'm locking up. Lock up again. Lock up again. Okay, lock up, right? Well, I must have locked up about 20 times. I turned around and Tommy Dreamer's just standing there pissing himself. And he's like, <laughs> What am I fucking watching here? What am I watching? <laughs> Vader and Gredos just constantly tying up. Uh, again, one, again, again. I'm going right now, but pure out of breath and all that. Tommy Dreamer's <laughs> like, what the fuck am I watching here? <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> uh, right, uh, who else have we got here? Andy Clark wants to put over CM Punk returning and being allowed to do and say whatever he wants, baby. I heard he was good on that show. I I. I, I Watched a wee bit of what he was doing. He's listen. The guy's a good talker. The guy is a good communicator. Yeah, you know he's good at communicating. Good talker. Hey, I heard a brilliant story about CM Punk. By the way, right? Mm-hmm. One time, right? He had this mask. On. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in to last last Aye, uh, week's episode if you don't know that story. Episode four of Wrestling Daft is a great CM Punk story involved. Yeah, there is. Just guy, guy, guys, try and catch it. You've got here. You gotta check her out. Yeah, yeah. check her out. Betty. Yeah. Macaroni products that only macaroni in its simplest form. Nice. Sacrilege. Nice. I also would like to bury cakes that contain fruit. Mm, don't agree. Why does carrot cake need raisins? Oh, it's a must. Fucking disgusting. Don't agree. I'd have to say I love I love that part. Uh, macaroni products Ma- that aren't macaroni. Bar, please. So b- basically he doesn't like the spin-off, so he doesn't like sausage and macaroni, he doesn't like chili macaroni. You know, he doesn't like eh, macaroni. He, right. I'm not sure what he's worried about there. But he's maybe worried for me because macaroni is my life. He's uh, ma- folk know that I folk know that macaroni is my fucking. You love macaroni, life. didn't you? Aye, macaroni is my life, mate. It's just a thing. Like I can't go into a restaurant. I actually get pissed off when I see macaroni in a restaurant because I know I'm going to need to order it and no get something so else. It ruins it. It ruins it for you. It ruins it for me. I've got to try everybody's macaroni. Jimmy Norris wants to bury every cunt that tweeted to CM Punk saying "fight me." Did you see this? No. Nah. CM Punk, he's back, and all, all these wrestlers are all like that. Yeah, well, maybe you should step into the ring with me, Oh, baby. is this wrestlers that are doing it? Seth Rollins, not that. That'd be the, the, the same. Seth Rollins, that. Maybe you should step in the ring with me then, buddy, and see how you're like, fucking shut up, man. It's the same folk that probably hug each other after their match. I hate that shit. Too right, And man. then go on the internet and put each other over. Oh, it was so good tonight. Oh, he should get me. booked more. He should get booked more. Ah, oh, don't, don't hug me, Seth Rollins. Uh, Stubro wants to put over the KO, Kevin Owens, and Drew match until the beak came out. <laughs> Triple H, the beak, he called him. <laughs> the beak. <laughs> until the beak came out. <laughs> I love, I I love, love that. And he wants to bury around walking about with a wee fish box. All right. <laughs> all right, and you did that. <laughs> so, uh, listen, thanks very much for all your input. I love reading out there, putting over and burying so people because it's all, I love people being money bastards. And I also love because it gives people an opportunity to moan about things like macaroni. I mean, it's. Get it off your chest. Now, remember, you can get involved in this show, and we want you to. Get us on Twitter, at Wrestling Daft, on Instagram, at Wrestling Daft Podcast, and just Wrestling Daft on Facebook. Uh, And next week, we're starting a new part of the show, by the way, where we want you to become a Wrestling Daft Mark. All you have today, right, 
is watch your wrestling that week. Watch your wrestling as you normally do. Come on the show. Come on the show. Skype in. Come on. Tell us what's been happening. Because Gredo is in Panto. He's a hard-working man. He's got other things on. No just Panto. He's got other things on as well. He's got no time to watch it, right? Oh, just kid on, he would be watching it anyway. And I'm going to be too busy watching obscure Japanese wrestling matches and all that, right? So get in touch. Let us know if you want to be our personal wrestling daft Mark for next week who's going to fill us in on the wrestling scene. Oh, so I don't need to watch it and somebody's going to come on. Somebody's going to come on and Very just good. tell you what happened. You just made the list! And can you believe, Grado, this week it's 23 years since The Rock made his debut. Oh my me, doesn't half make me feel old that, Chris. And 21 years since he won his first WWF World Champion. Feels like yesterday. So we thought in this week's list of wrestling daft we would take a look at Big Dwayne's finest moments. So this is the list of wrestling daft and here is my list, my top three rock moments. As The Rock flinging Stone Cold Steve Austin off that bridge. This time is on! We're here outside! The Rock and the, the Rattlesnake! No! You piece of Go to hell! Oh! Oh my God! God, no! Did he know Lunchy's mad belt or not? Flung his belt. Woof! That's uh, what I was more worried about. I was more worried about the belt. How are they going to get that? Well, they would just make. Jack was in real water. I think so. I think they would just make another one. I mean, I was, I was, I loved that man. See, that was that's. See, when people talk about the attitude era and all that. Aye. That's what I think about. I think about that outside segment where they would go. What the rocks on a bridge? Aye. They're all, you know what I mean? Aye. I think about Austin putting the cement in Vince's Corvette. Oh, man. That was, but I always, it always amazes me how they managed to film that and not get concrete in the flare in that arena. You know what I mean? Aye, Some aye. coming in for a walk the next day to do the cleaning going, what the f- is this? Do you think it was maybe just custard? Grey custard? Ma- well, that's a shout. No, no. No, it's no. Because I went to Access many months ago and that was there, the core with the concrete on it. That no was one way, of the really? hang exhibitions, aye. That's cool. Isn't it? That's it's cool, that, isn't it? cool. You ain't the money they could burn, man. Brand new motors just getting fucking... They were wrecking motors every week. half, I know. You know. At that time, wrecking motors every week. Jumbo, hangs on motors. big jumbo limos and all that. Hummers getting blown up and all that. Guys getting flung off bridges. Aye. Remember, remember Triple H when he was in his he wrestled Stone Cold? And they get this crang lifted Austin getting a mad crang and hooked under the motor Aye. and lifted him. And I thought, I really thought, because I, I was only about 11, 12 at the time, and I thought, Triple H is dead. They're going to kill the beak. Aye. The beak's dead. <laughs> the beak's dead. <laughs> uh, but The Rock, The Rock was just, that was a brilliant period for The Rock. The Rock was, The Rock is well, the best of all time. That music hit. Uh, that Wait a minute, for you, is he, he is for you. Oh, the best absolutely. Of all time. Absolutely. Me and my cup, me and my two pals had booked up to go to WrestleMania in 2011, and it wasn't looking too shabby, man. I thought nothing's happening, and then they said the special guest is going to be announced tonight, and I'll never forget it. I stayed up to watch Raw live, one of the only times in the last 15 years that I have, and all the lights get done. And the Rock's not been in the wrestling for about 10 years. Nah. If your smell hits, and I remember just bouncing up and doing my bed because I knew The Rock was going to beat WrestleMania and I was going to it, man. I was fucking near tears, man, jumping about. Mum was going, what's going on in there? Mum, The Rock's going to beat WrestleMania! The Rock's oh, going to beat WrestleMania! The Rock's going to beat WrestleMania! He's a star, isn't he? Oh, I love him. He's I a love star. Him. Uh, but I love that. And also, I'm a big, massive Stone Cold Steve Austin fan, man. And they two guys, they two guys working together. I loved it. I, I loved to The Rock. It. I prefer The Rock. Oh, 
you think there's a, you think there's a lot? Do you mean, how, how many people prefer the rock to Austin? What would you say the percentages? I don't really know. All I would say I see at that period, that period of time, you had like you didn't know what you had. The, exactly, you had the Rock, you had Stone Cold, you had Foley, you had Triple H, you had you didn't know where to look. I know there was stars everywhere. There you was. didn't know where to look. You knew you, the thing is, see back then, you knew everybody. You knew everybody's gimmick. You've you, you know, there's Godfather. He's a they got the prostitute. No prostitute. He's not a prostitute. What was he? A pimp, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? You had. Bill Buchanan, he's the post. Bill Buchanan. <laughs> no, I meant to see uh, you knew Boss Man. <laughs> <laughs> boss Man, he was a policeman. In right? Venus, he was a plumber. <laughs> so he was. Pizza no, delivery he driver. He had, he had, it was amazing, right? It was mm-hmm. fucking amazing. But you didn't you didn't know you didn't know what you had. Did you you? You had. I like you say, you didn't know what you had. Right, let's move on to my number two. As a match. Now I know a lot of people talking about their favourite rock moments are gonna quite often be pulling out bits of promo and stuff like that. But listen, The Rock at his best in a match with people at their best is like nothing else in the fucking world. And my number two is The Rock versus The Undertaker oh. versus Kurt Angle. Oh. 2000. That match is. I don't remember that match really. That match is unbelievable, is by the way, and it's a match that's kind of flown under radars now. You know what I mean? I'll tell you why. Because people don't really like triple threat matches. I don't think. I hate them. I think people don't like triple threat matches. They normally don't work. They're normally a mess. If you don't remember this match, you need to fucking remind yourself of this one. Okay, they're doing each other's finishers, Nora. It's fucking madness. It's madness. It's brilliant. Madness. No madness. Magnus comes in. Aye, Magnus come in, aye. Magnus comes He's in. Gladiator gear on. Um, but that's an amazing match, so I tell people to go in, because The Rock, uh, listen, and Angle as well in the mix. Oh. The Rock and Angle always worked well together as well, you know what I mean? Uh, please watch this. Please watch this match. Uh, that's my number two moment. And my number one moment. It better, it better be this. See it. Is The Rock versus Hogan. Ah, absolutely. My favourite match of all time. Can he beat it? That is genuinely, I think, sometimes I think to myself, if an alien came down from outer space and landed on Earth and they and they said to me, what is wrestling? Mm-hmm. I think I would need to show them the Rock, oh, the rock versus talk, Hogan. Talk about people sh- showing that match. I basically took my ex-girlfriend and Shah Samuels hostage one night and they were tired and wanted to go to bed. Sit down. <laughs> we're watching Rock and Hogan at Mania. Fucking don't move. And then any time they looked away, I went, you must have, you must have been getting wee bits, I'd, re- I'd rewind it. Shat always brings it up. Remember the time you took me and your ex fucking hostage to watch Rock and Hogan because I loved it. I loved the story behind it as well that Rock wanted Hogan flown down to somewhere in Florida, him, Pat Patterson, him and Pat Patterson, to go through the match. Mm-hmm. And everything that they come up for must have just got fucking scrapped because they didn't expect the reaction that no. Hogan would go. But the only thing is, mate, do you know what I made it? You know what I made it better. What? Hogan coming out to real American with the red and yellow. That's the only thing that would have been perfect. Maybe, but maybe it, it would. No, but 
I think it was perfect how it played out because it just felt completely like this is. I suppose. Like a hot. It's like all these tens of thousands of people all fucking involved and like improvising a fucking thing. Like it was just everybody was like the fans were in control. Then they were in control, and then it's just an, an amazing thing to watch. And sometimes they're doing so much while doing so fucking little as well. Just looks. That thing that The Rock is great at. We're talking about The Rock here, but The Rock is great at just fucking changing the atmosphere with a look. Aye. With a fucking look out to the crowd. With a look, he's a raise of the eyebrow. And fucking Hogan's the same. Hogan can just snap his head, look to the left, look to the right, and fucking the crowd were gone. Bananas in that match. It's crazy to think. I got my golden receiver dug in the very next day after that match, Molly, who's been dead six years. That's crazy to think about that. It's a long time ago. I would love to talk. I would love to talk. Is that, you know what the dream in fact, is? I think our anniversary of death is coming out. Coming up. Coming out. <laughs> like it's an album. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get that one. Rest uh, in peace, Molly. <laughs> uh, I would love, the dream is, obviously, for wrestling daft is one day we get the rock on this show. Right. Ah, but I, I think ah. it could happen one day because The ah. Rock is a, also a good guy. I've got connections to River City. Uh, the they'll, probably, they'll probably get his number, man. The Rock is a good guy. One day, and I'd love to just ask him about that because I want to know about that fucking moment, how they how they rode that moment, how they rode that roller. Tweet him, every other cunt does. I know, but I just, no, I want to be professional about it. I don't want to be all these desperate bastards. So I tweet him. <laughs> so what do you think? What's your favourite Rock moment? Do you, you agree with me there? With I would say that. Um, also, the bit when he come back in 2011, also, what else would I say? Winning the title at Backlash 2000, that was great. Aye. They beat Triple H, I loved that. Because that's when I was just wrestling daft. I didn't want to see say, um, Survivor Series Deadly Game again, where uh, Corporate Rock is, you know, the twist at the end, The Rock wins and he's, he's fucking in, right? Big man, but the way The Rock plays that whole pay-per-view, I've always bang on about that pay-per-view. I think it's my favourite pay-per-view ever, Deadly Game. Is um, it? Yeah, I think so. And but so I don't want to. I didn't want to put that in again because I'll just be repeating myself. Remember, you know, remember the the rock. Got, he's touched on. He had to wrestle on a tap. Right. Well, we want to get him on the show, Gredo. So could you know? Sorry. Going about that. Right. The, but obviously the listeners have been getting in touch as well because they've got fuck all else today. Uh, Ian Porter got in touch and says they're not giving a fuck. Unprotected ten plus chair shots to Mick Foley's coupon. Aye, I didn't think <laughs> at Royal Rumble. That's uh, what he. That's what he loved. Aye. The cerebral damage. Remember, I was I was Foley went on about that in the in the, the movie, didn't he? Aye. About how he think he was only meant to take like one or two, and he just kept going. Fucking hell, man! How did you find? Uh, how do you find Mick Foley? Oh, Michael's brand new, mate. Michael Foley. <laughs> do you like him? Oh, Foley's a man. Aye, he really is a cool guy. Aye. He's got, he wears a bigger bum bag than me, and uh, I shot myself because you know you always hear stories about how. Like um, cheap he is mm-hmm. in terms of like he's always like every penny counts. So watches that, his money. Watches aye. his money. But like I've even heard stories like you know you stay out at people's houses and like when they go out for dinner like he wants everything bought for him. You're worried he's going to come back to your house. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was worried because he gave me his shirt after fear and loving Kenny's cactus thing. Right him and I opened up the pocket and there was fucking twenty bangers in it. At US twenty US bangers. And I was like, oh, fuck! I hope he doesn't want me to send that out to him, man, because Kenny was a tight. Tight first at bugger. Right. I was like, fuck him. But did he? Did he let it go? I think he did let it go because I did tweet, mate, off on Twitter, Twitter bar in, <laughs> in your pocket. Do you want me to send it to her? Can I think he just liked it and fucked off. Beautiful. Um, Mark Woods 
says the rock concert 2003 fucking unreal by the way the best thing about being in Sacramento is that in an hour and a half the rock gets to leave Sacramento you only hang up but remember it with wrestling always been in Sacramento they never they could never fit a ramp in the arena Anytime they rested in Sacramento, there was no ramp. It was just a pure. That's an incredible bit of detailed knowledge. There. An incredible <laughs> bit of detailed that. knowledge. There was always no ramp in Sacramento, man. Uh, <laughs> Nathan Lyon, Rock Hogan at Mania. Of course, Nathan, you're right. You agree with Abin Grado. You are our friend. Uh, the Sean Mayer before Christmas is selling the Stone Cold Stunner oh, like he'd just been hit by a freight train. Fuck, of course. Love the way he sold that. Oh, it's a compilation of that. I love watching it. And fucking Stone Cold loves the way he sells it as mm-hmm. well, man. Stone Cold loves it, man, Aye. the way he sells it. He would spring about, bounce after ropes with his ankle. Somehow he would get a stun on his ankles, would bounce off the top rope. Aye. And then there's some folk that would take it, you know, there was some people who uh, took it completely different for everybody else. Regals was always weird and so was Scott Hall's. They'd always take it and take a big massive back bump rather than going down on their knees. They would take it and bend and fall backwards. It was always intriguing to me to see how people took that stunner. Shane McMahon takes a good stunner. Did he? Aye. He's a great seller, is he? Aye, he's a brilliant seller. Robbie McGraw, his, he says it has to be the This Is Your Life segment on Raw with Mankind. Hands down the that funniest segment of that era and also the most viewed in the history of Raw. Some statistics. It's too long. Is it 25 minutes I, or something? I think it's a touch too long. Sorry, right. guys, I think it's a touch too long. Get out of it. Still good, though. Captain Wow says when him and Stone Cold sang together, absolute comedy gold for the two goats. No, greatest of all times, that means. I've said this before. Stone Cold is brilliant at doing comedy stuff. He is. If he doesn't get the credit he deserves. He's brilliant what? at doing comedy stuff. Brilliant, brilliant I, at it. I remember going to see Rebellion 2001 with my mom. One of the best days of my life. And the Rock and Stone Cold had a match, and at the end they done their, they done their, you know, their post-match concert, mm-hmm. and it was superb. I remember that year, two thousand and one, and I remember because I had we had tried for years to get tickets, Insurrection Rebellion, Insurrection Rebellion, never got it, and we eventually got tickets. And then I remember seeing September, September the eleventh happen, and mm-hmm. it was like a month before Rebellion. I was like, "What? No. Um, Rebellion's going to be cancelled." Ken, uh, yeah. at that time only been 12, 13. No, I wasn't. Able, yeah, that kinda... would have been the worst, uh, <laughs> the worst repercussion, wouldn't it? Of you know, I would. I wouldn't think that way now. Do you know what I mean? That was, my, that, that, was, that was my first thought as well. When I saw, <laughs> I just cleared up. I was a win when that happened. So didn't I? I would obviously. Uh, that's not my thoughts now. Uh, and Sad Panda finally just wants to say uh, that his favourite rock moment is the Tooth Fairy with Stephen Merchant. Never saw it. Um, Look, The Rock is a massive star. He is... Uh, God, he's gone places, isn't he? He's running the show. So don't you fucking cast up some shitey films to try and... Game uh, already. Everybody has a shitey project in their past that they regret. Me, it's Berniston. Gredo, it's... I don't know, maybe this pantomime he's about to do. We'll see. Uh, listen, let's choose a listener of the week for this vacant title. We need, oh, to, get, we need to get this title as far away as possible for the two we, guys for last week. Again? It's toxic. Let's flip a coin oh, again. Flip a coin. Listen, well, I want to put in the. Uh, can I put in the hat? Uh, I like Mark Woods's. Right, mine's is going to be. Um, oh, you're the guy one about the beak. Oh no no no! Right, he's oh, mine. No. Stu bro. Right, Stu bro right. is mine for for Colin tri- Triple H the All beak. Right. Mark Woods is mine. Right, so 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 Stu bro is going to be tails. Aye. And Heeds is going to be Mark Woods. Mark Woods. Right, we're ready. Here we go. And he's reaching down to pick up the coin, and it is. Tails! So, Shubro wins! 
That's right. It's, it goes to Stubro, and I watched it, and it was all legit this time. It was absolutely legit. Well the done. new wrestling daft champion is Stubro, and uh, it's clean as clean as you like. Clean as you like. I see it's not bothered, actually, isn't it? It's easy. Please welcome to the show a friend of mine, one of the best ever British wrestlers to grace a wrestling ring. He has been in Japan, he's been in America, he's been across the whole world. One of the best wrestlers of all time. Please welcome to the show, the anarchist, Doug Williams. Doug, how are you doing, my man? Yeah, you, doing very well. Very well. You're doing yeah. good. You've you've yeah. retired. Have you actually, have you definitely officially retired now? Yeah, I have, yeah. My last match uh, a year ago. 16th of December was my, la- my last match last year. Are you missing it? I start to, and then I watch something or I see some of it, and then I think, no, I don't miss it now. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you see? Give me an example of something or somebody you would see that makes you think you, you don't miss it. Well, I mean, it's a mixture of many things. Like, I, I do, uh, I help out backstage uh, a show in Germany on a monthly basis. So I, I sort of watch an agent the matches there, um, and that kind of puts me off. <laughs> and then I, I watch, you know, I watch a lot of TV stuff. Um, of various kinds and it's just I mean it's just different and it's just different now to how I was trained it's I know not, uh, it's like so, so you were kind of trained in a, a, in a kind of funny era weren't you when did you officially start training was it like 95 or something like that no earlier than that 93 I started 93 so that yeah. was kind of in a like so you were at, you were at Hammerlock was it Andre Baker that initially trained you yeah that's it I was in the first ever class that he had really um, I think he opened the school in April 93 and I started in June of 93. Is there anybody from that class that's still in the business? Uh, Phil Powers. All right, aye. He makes yeah. the rings, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. He makes the rings. What, when, what were they days like training back then, Doug? Do you have fond memories of their times? Yeah, I do. To be, to, be, to be honest, if you go back very early when I first started, it was, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, the, the, the gym, in inverted commas, was just a, a kind of industrial garage on a cliff top. Yeah. overlooking the sea in Folkestone, um, you know, and, and the ring was terrible. The ring was, like, supported on tyres, and it had no no spring whatsoever, and the ropes were loose and everything. But it was just good fun getting in there. You know what it's like when you're young and you're, you're a fan, you just want to get in there and wrestle, you know, you just want to get in the ring, don't you, and muck about. And that's, I mean, Andre didn't do much training, per se. He was more of a let-you-get-on-with-it type of person, you know? Yeah. Aye. It's funny, you know, Doug, when I think about British wrestling, the yeah. people that I think of when you think about the kind of modern era, well, it's is modern now. But when I think sure. about British wrestling, I think of yourself, Johnny, Jody, and Alex Shane, the forties. Mm-hmm. And I think sure. it's 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 funny that he's so they were brought up in Hammerlock as well. Is that right? They were brought through throughout. On they were. Well. They were. And the reason for that really is you know in England especially there wasn't any training schools back then. It was still very much a closed shop, and it was very difficult to get into the business because. For one thing, the business was dying, so a lot of promoters are packed up, so where do you go? And the promoters that were left and the boys that were left didn't want to give anyone any access because they're going to lose their spots, the limited spots that were left. What Andre provided was an opportunity for people to come and train and and get in the ring and learn outside of kind of the the business as it was at that time. And, uh, you know, once you start training and you start making little inroads into little various promoters, you can get in. But it's very, very different to how it is now. I mean, he oh. was literally the only school, the yeah. only place you could go. What age were you at that time, Doug, when you started with Andre? Um, 93, I was 21. 
because I, I must have met I met Andre a few times when I was, and right. I must have been around about the same age. I was a, I was a young guy when I met Andre, and he was a formidable he was a formidable guy. He was quite a he was quite a, found him quite a scary guy at first, and yeah. then and then he was an absolute sweetheart with me. But I mean, it must it's a, it's a scary thing going into a situation like that into a training situation. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I think remember I done I done on and off I done ten years of judo. Yeah. Um, before that, and sort of, you know, the first time we went into the school, you know, he tested me, put me in with a few of the, few of the other guys who I threw about, you know, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of, you know, what I mean, gave me a, a level of respect such I wasn't, you know, I, I was actually given some kind of, um, oh, respect is the word really by Andre, you know, what I mean, I was taught he he knew I wasn't an idiot, he knew I was serious about it, he knew I wanted to you know, become, you know, a proper professional wrestler. I'm not interested in there to find out all the secrets or just muck about in the ring. And I think yeah. that, that that helped me a lot, you know. And I, dare, and I dare say coming for that judo background as well. Yeah. I mean, up here, a lot of the Scottish guys up here, um, you know, guy, guys like Grado and going back to guys like Kid Fight and going and, and, and Lionheart and stuff like that, they all, when they were training, there was a, a big element of them kind of training each other. It wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just a trainer and student thing. They were no. helping to train each other. So you must have been passing on a lot of judo knowledge to people. Yeah, definitely, you know, because a lot of it helps. Obviously, the, the bumping is all similar. Yep. The timing, throws and that sort of thing, you know, but there's a lot of it that doesn't help. You know, and you have to kind of wean yourself off those bad habits. But uh, the good thing about Andre is, yeah, we did all train together. But he'd bring in guys occasionally to help us out. You know, people he knew already in the business, which was which was good as well. You know, Doug, there's for me, there's too many wrestling schools out there, and I don't think they can even. It's a cheek that some of them even call them schools. You've sure. got guys that have got that have never been out there. You know, the local area wrestling and community centres that are training other guys, taking money, and I think it's. Yeah. It's a big problem. It's, I also think there's too many shows, but I think the, the, the main problem is these guys that are training other people that don't have the experience. And I'm like, you're taking money off of people to train. And it, yeah. it's frustrating yeah. for me, but it must be frustrating for somebody, like, especially you, that was... Like, you were brought up in a, an environment where you were ch uh, challenged on respect and, you know, uh, you say that it was hard for you to get in. People just walk in through the donor and give a guy £15. And he started to get trained. You know, the fucking yeah. You see, I have a similar view to you, Grado. Except this is this is how I think of it. It's fine opening up a little wrestling gym and everybody gets in there. And they can all wrestle around and do everything. It's when you sell yourself as being a real professional outfit and pushing your guys to be on shows and charging the public to come and watch those guys. Then it crosses over the line. Oh. I don't have a problem with people. You know, they want to open a little wrestling group amongst themselves and all do it on a, on a Saturday afternoon in the gym and train, that's fine. It's when you get a guy who has never done anything, puts himself out there as having done something, sells it to those poor people, and then tries to push these guys onto the shows and charges the public for it. Then it crosses a line as far as I'm concerned. But do you two think that the standard in general of promotions in Britain is better now? I mean, because I remember back when NWA UK Hammerlock, when, they were, when that was running... Um, there, was, you, there was a lot of wee tin pot promotions in other parts of the country that were, re I mean, really bad. I mean, know the kind of bad I mean, you're I mean, talking I've about. I've been out for a year, so I can't really say what it is like at the current time. But yeah. say go back a year, I, you know, it, it varies the same as it ever has. But I mean, the styles change. So I see a lot of style, even in the bigger promotions, that I don't necessarily agree <laughs> is correct. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't say the guys are bad wrestlers per se. 
I'll tell you what there's a lot less of. I did see a lot less of shows that are absolutely terrible, shit-ass shows. Everyone generally had a decent... Maybe that's just the shows I was booked on. You know, maybe I got lucky in the last couple <laughs> of years of my career, but I did seem to see a lot less of those. Uh, Brayden might tell you a different story. You know, he takes anything and everything. So. Fucking right, I do. <laughs> <laughs> but, Doug, see your style. Your style, um, when you wrestle, man, it looks absolutely flawless. Flawless. Who did you watch growing up? Who did you did you base your style off anybody? Or did you kind of try and, and create your own wee style? When I started wrestling, I was obviously a fan of WWF and there's people you, you kind of look up to. But I appreciated that the best style I could learn was like that British style and the people and the peers around me at that time when I was on the circuit. So I was picking up things from Robbie Brookside, from, uh, you know, um, Chick Cullen, from uh, Johnny Kidd even Blondie Barrett, you know what I mean? Those old, and it, it's just integrating those elements, what they, they learn as their traditional style into the stuff that you appreciate as an, you know, in the American wrestling as well and putting it all together. But it, you know, the flawless style or whatever, you know, the, the way I wrestle is just, it's just practice over and over, just doing the really boring stuff. Oh. I wish I could, you try and tell people at training schools, you just got to practice stuff over and over again. So it's second nature, but no one wants to do it, do they? So, you know, never. Because they keep practicing and practicing and have that flawless style, and then they can have the greatest match of all time, which I'm sure I witnessed. You yeah, can tell you me what it is: yeah. Doug Williams versus BJ Whitmer. Now, in I, your mind, you watch that. As your I, pulled, match. I, I pulled him aside right in Bethnal Green. I says, "Doug, I just want to say one: probably my favourite match of all time was you and BJ Whitmer." And you paused five seconds, then you told me, "So I've never wrestled BJ." <laughs> <laughs> I was sure I saw you wrestle BJ Whitmer, but I think I got it mixed up with you and Christopher Daniels and Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor show number 16, expect the unexpected. What a fucking beautiful match. Oh, is that when I won the FWA title back? Is that what it was? It probably could have been. Aye. What a time that must have been, man, going to America, because f the, the, there had only been a, a handful of guys that were going to America at that time, and then you... You, you end up getting a spot on Ring of Honor, you did King of the Indies. That must have been a really exciting time for you. Oh, definitely, definitely. And, um, you know, you get, you get nerves about going out there and what it's going to be like. But the interesting for me at the thing for me at the time was you get out there and the shows are just the same as anywhere else at the <laughs> end of the day. You know what I mean? It's just that they, they have that exposure and that publicity that you just couldn't hope to get anywhere else in the world at that time. And obviously Ring of Honor... And their, uh, you know, their philosophy and, and the creation of this new promotion was was an exciting thing. But at the end of the day, when you got in there, you were wrestling in a community hall in front of <laughs> three hundred people. You changed in the basement. It was sweaty. <laughs> it was hot. It was the same as wrestling anywhere else. And, and that made me laugh. You know, I just thought to myself, yeah, travel a thousand miles, and I'm just doing the same, the same, <laughs> the same thing. Yeah. But you talk about all that travelling, right? There was a long, long period of your career where you were you were the British wrestler. I mean, sure. that was without yeah. a doubt. I mean, the, yeah. the the proper ambassador for British wrestling was just a long, long period of your career where it was like, here's the British guy on this big Japanese show, here's the British guy in this American show, and it's you. Did you feel the pressure on that? Did that feel like a lot of pressure? Fucking me again, eh? <laughs> <laughs> no, but did you did you feel did you feel pressure for that? Because you were because it felt really. like you were representing yeah. a scene to an extent. Yeah. No, the only I didn't feel it from that respect. I felt it. The pressure just came from. Making a good, wanting to make a good impression yeah. within that company at the time, such that they would book me again or give mm. me a re, you know regular bookings. You're funny. I never ever felt of it as being 
I'm representing the whole of British wrestling. I've got a good, a good account of myself. Although, having said that, I did want to represent the British style and publicise that and show people that that was still something special and that was still something, you know, that was special to us, specific to us in this country. And we do have a style and it still does exist and it can be put into good matches and work with Americans, work with Japanese, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, but no, I never felt pressure to represent the country. Which funny, funny thing to say, but I didn't really feel that yeah, at all. You know, I, you know? So, I mean, although it was an honour for me, you know, yeah. the only British guy, of course. No, de definitely, and, and you were, you know, part of that scene where guys like Low Key, CM Punk, um, Brian Danielson, and stuff were coming through. Was there any particular guy that you loved working for that kind of? Era was there anybody well, that you really liked? Yeah, I love. I mean, obviously, I love working Chris Daniels. I must yep. have worked him two hundred times in my career. Um, you mentioned the names, you know, Brian Danielson. So so easy to work. It's it's guys that bothered to study kind of the English style, and you get in the ring with them, and you don't have to talk too much with them, and you can just work through it, and it, it's magic. You know what I mean? I, Samoa Joe as well. Just, just mm. even you know, very when he was green when he first started out, just so easy to work with those guys. So, the, so did you find that that a lot of the American guys you worked with and stuff would be students of the British style? They would know that stuff. Yeah, that, that level definitely. The yeah. Ring of Honest, poor people, those sort of things definitely were. They studied what they could could get hold of at that time, which wasn't much. Mm -hmm. You know, like YouTube was kind of in its infancy. There was a few British tapes flying about, but not a lot. But you know, they 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 managed to track it down. They studied it. And, you know, it was, it was, yeah, we, we like to talk about, me and Gredo like to talk about the tape trading scene on this show because we, we come oh, yeah. to a time when there was a lot of tape trading happening. And I remember a tape yeah. trader guy that I spoke to in England said that a lot of the British wrestling tapes were actually going to America, to American wrestlers. It was okay. actually American I, wrestlers that wanted to see I, a lot I, of them. Chris Hero, he was daft on it, I'm sure. He yeah. was always yeah, getting yeah. tapes of yeah. Johnny Saint and World of Sport and stuff like that. He was... Forever getting them shipped to her. Mm -hmm. Was that was that something you, you were into, Doug? Were you? Did you manage to get involved in ta trading tapes, or was a was there any specific tape that was passed about the school when you were young? You know, watch this, have a look at this. Was it anything? No, I mean I wasn't that young really when I started getting tapes, and that was probably nine after I started. It's a funny thing really because before I started trading, I only really watched. I bought all the magazines that were around, you know, the American magazines. Mm -hmm. I only watched American stuff and English stuff. When I started training and getting into it, so when I started getting into watching Japanese stuff, and most of the tapes I bought or tried to get hold of were like old old Japan and New Japan stuff from like ninety four onwards, ninety four, ninety five. You know, the yeah, Super yeah. J Cup and like Champions Carnival and all that sort of stuff. Tell me about going to Japan, man. Tell me what what happens. Is it the same idea in terms of you know when we go to Germany and a guy picks you up and in his motor, or some kind of guy that helps out with the company? Is it the kind of same idea, or was it a bit more professional because it was Noah you were working for? Yeah, it's, it's a little <laughs> bit. I mean, obviously you land at the airport and the guy picks you up in his car and drives you to the hotel. But um, you know they have a they have a tour bus they lay on for you. They had a guy. When I was there, they had a Gaijin tour bus. It had a couple of Japanese on it, but it was mainly the... Because when I started with Noah in 2003, they actually had 10 foreigners on their tour. So there was a lot of us. And, um, yeah, it was a tour bus. They have a young boy on... What they call a young boy. It's like an apprentice wrestler, uh, Japanese wrestler on mm -hmm. the bus who takes all your bags out and he, you know, he, he, he helps you and everything like that. If you want to go shopping and get some stuff, he'll help you around everything. Very professional, you know what I mean? Take you to your hotel before the show transport you back there afterwards um yeah which which you need because you're heavily reliant on them because 
nobody speaks the language, no yeah. signs are in English. Aye. You know, be struggled. It's not like, you know, it's not like flying to Germany, Grado, where, you know, you're waiting <laughs> in the airport and no one's there to pick you up. Oh, so you're a phone call to promote saying, where are, where are you? And then someone turns up in their Fiat Cinquecento and you're squeezing <laughs> three other guys in your luggage, you know. You know oh, that. tell me about it. Uh, as I say, it was, uh, we had a good time in Germany a couple of months ago, didn't we, Doug? Was you, you, me, you oh, yeah, Steve Winsky. Aye, yeah. aye, that good was a, that was a very... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think uh, I think Linsky had a bottle of chocolate vodka or something like that. What was it? Was it chocolate? Was it? Aye, wait, you screwing your face up. You were you were drinking it. <laughs> oh, no. oh well, doesn't matter about the taste by then. Doesn't it? <laughs> no, but J- Japan must have been brilliant, and what a, a great memory I have as well. As I've spoken about it on a podcast, but the time that you you and uh, who was it? Was it was it Stevie Knight? You watched uh, Agawa and Mitsuharu Misawa yeah. and Carl Luke. Man, it blew my mind. I know, I know. Wow. It's crazy, really, when you think about it. When you it. think and about that, it, it was yeah. crazy. There was, was about, about 100 fans. I, if that, if that. I remember, like, there was mere Japanese press there and people falling about Misawa than there was actual Arsie's own seats. Do you know what? I'll tell you a funny thing about that, because uh, Ogawa told me afterwards that Misawa enjoyed that much more more, <laughs> more than they did at the Sky Dome. <laughs> <laughs> So, I think you know it's it's like anything, isn't it? When you have those little matches, there's no pressure. You can just go out there, enjoy yourself. You're not trying to kill each other, just having fun. And I think that's and I, I think also it's very special for them because they so isolated. They didn't really appreciate they're such big stars outside of the country. Aye, I mean, yeah, I mean, so I, they're somewhere like Scotland in the middle of nowhere, and there's still a hundred fans. They're, they're, they're they're so ecstatic about that, you yeah. know what I mean? So talk, yeah. to us, talk to us about the career you had uh, with TNA. You were there for uh, for quite a number of years. You won, I think, the X Division numerous times. You won a tag title with, um, <laughs> with Nick Aldis. Yeah. Tell yeah. us about that. Okay, well, I signed my first contract with them in 2008. Um, and it was primarily just to be used on their first UK tour. Um, and then... They wanted to bring me over, but I still had some Japan commitments. So I had to do my finish up my Japan tours, which finished in early 2009. Um, and then in May 2009, they signed Nick. Um, and they re-signed my contract because I only had a year. And then they started the British Invasion in May 2009. Um, and it kind of went from there, really. The first year, 2009, most of that was in that tag team, winning the TNA tag titles. Aye. Um, you know, that was fun times. I still lived in England at that time, and I used to fly back and forth. Oh, and really? Yeah, Aye, that's yeah. that's that, that's what I done. How to it? So did did they make you move to America then? Because that's that's yeah, the deal I had. I had a year contract oh eight to oh nine, and I had another year to two thousand ten. When I went to resign two thousand ten, they said I had to move to America. Was that Hogan that told you to move? No, no, this is before Hogan. This is this is still Terry Taylor and Jeff Jarrett. Right, right. Um, but they signed me for two years instead of one if I did that. So with an extension, with an option of an extension for three. So you know that was fine by me. That was okay. But the so I moved in. I want to say September two thousand and ten, and I was X Division champion at the time on my second run, and it kind of all just went downhill after that. Really? really? Yeah, when I moved be- to America. I was X Division champion for another two months. Then I won the TV title for like a month or so, um, and then they gave it to Abyss. And then it's 2011. They just stopped using me, really. But did, I just when, sat when, did at you, home. when did you work? <laughs> when did you work Flair at Wembley? Oh, that was 2012. Right, right, right. Yeah. That must have been something. Was that was it? Was it the main event that night? No, it wasn't the main event. Uh, it was, I don't know, third or fourth. 
I'll tell you a little story about that though. I had horrible, horrible toothache that tour, and I was heavily reliant on uh, one of the boys giving me painkillers to get through the, get through the matches because it was so bad. It was like one of my wisdom teeth at the back here. Mm. Um, so every uh, I kind of it was kind of in a daze when I wrestled uh, Flair because I was all kind of hyped up on these painkillers. Not hyped up, but I like. Aye. You know, like they make you a little bit drowsy, don't they? A little bit yep. spaced out. Um, so I don't think at the time I really appreciated or felt that excited about it because I was just like, oh, the pain, of, you know, the numbness in my head. But um, looking back on it, it was pretty special, I think. It's something that no one else has ever done. And what was it like to work him? Was he, did he did speak much before it? Was he a matter of, let's just nope, call it, it really? All we, thought, all we talked about was the finish. Really? Oh, man. And even that changed because he injured himself and we had to go home early. <laughs> uh, no, it's all in the ring. He called everything, but I say he called everything. It's like a general thing. Like he'd say, "Come back," so I'd start firing back and had to do all my own stuff. And then he'd cut me off when he wanted. You know what I mean? It's just Aye. like it's all natural. It's all it's all totally, you know, um, ad lib yeah. for want of a better <laughs> phrase. Yeah, you know, uh, you know right. it was different. It's totally different. You know and. He juiced himself. I didn't know he was doing that. You know? <laughs> yeah. Seriously, did he just did he did he do that mid, midway through the match? Yeah, and you didn't know. You didn't. You didn't, you didn't tell I me didn't in advance. Know, no, no. He just, <laughs> you know, I rammed him into the guardrail on the outside, and he took the bump to the floor. And he's rolling around. I slipped back in the ring. He comes up, pouring his blood. <laughs> oh, That's fucking brilliant, man. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, was there any other kind of highlights of your your time in TNA? Where you you know obviously did you want any big guys where you felt well oh, this is something? Or did, again was it just a, a matter of thinking about it after it happened and thinking it was pretty yeah, special? Two, two 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 specific periods I thought were stood out for me. One was I wrestled AJ Styles for the TV title and beat him for that. Right. And um, you know over our careers I probably wrestled AJ twice. Maybe that's surprising. I thought it'd be more than that. Yeah, so really excited to be able to do that on pay per view, and obviously you know going over as well. That was special for me. And the other one was um, they gave me a five minute TV match with Kurt Angle, which I really wish they'd done something else with. And oh, built for, but that was that was great. Oh, you you know Grado, right? They talk about how wrestlers are good, like oh he's a good wrestler and he's a good wrestler. But from our point of view, until we get in the ring and actually wrestle these guys, we don't know if they're actually that good mm-hmm. or if they're someone else has planned their match or if they, they, you know, they're just good at taking orders or someone else is carrying them. Um, but no, when I wrestled with Angle, even for those five minutes, you could tell he was exceptional. Aye. You know? So many people you know, say that, didn't just, they? You just know straight away. Aye. So I remember Big Drew, work, Drew working him and coming back and going, wow, he is incredible. Yeah. You know, that would have been a great match to see you and Kurt, you know, go for a, you know, a proper no- pay-per-view time yeah, match. Yeah, 15, you know what I mean? 20 minutes. That would, that, that would have been fucking brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Yeah. How was how was Bischoff and Hogan when they came in? Were you you were there, weren't you? How were yeah, they? Were they? Yeah, I was X Division champion. You know, I just won it, and they come in early t- two thousand ten. Um, I didn't have much interaction with them really. Um, I don't know why. I guess you know, have a couple of beers with Hogan or anything like that. No, was another another that. No, it was more. I, 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 you know, I drank with Flair. Went out with Flair a couple of times, but not with Hogan. They kept themselves to themselves. Really, I. I, I kind of had interaction with Bischoff a bit because he did those gut check. He produced those gut check things they did. Right. He seemed to be the go-to guy when they were bringing someone in to do those. Like I wrestled Sam Shaw in one and there's another young 18-year-old um, lad called Evan Macropolis who I wrestled. You know, and they did you know, they did that judging afterwards and whether they're going to give him a contract or mm. whatever. Right. Um, but no, and... Um, 
the problem, you know, I don't, I don't say I had a problem really. I don't really know, but all my all the people on who supported me in TNA were pretty much all gone by then. Um, who who was it? Who was the kind of people that had your back there, Doug? Uh, well, it was Terry Taylor, right. Jeff Garrett, and Vince Russo, and you know those three were my main, you know, three people supporting me, and they all kind of left or got fired. <laughs> quite I, I, do you know what? I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but it's surprising that somebody like Russo was 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 that big on you just because I could just imagine him seeing you as a wrestler. You know what I mean? You, you know he he loves his cat. Know that I'm saying you're not a character, Doug. But to be know, fair, to be fair, he didn't know what he'd do with me at first, and I think I proved myself in the British Invasion that I was able to carry that team and make it something, and then that gave him the confidence to try me out as X-Division champion. Um, and he said he had this idea about me, you know, being the anti-X-Division guy, and, and which, which I was fine with. And what was important to him is that I took whatever he gave me and I made it work. Right. Mm-hmm. Moan about it. I didn't try and change it. I didn't say, let's do this instead. I just went out there and I made the best of what I, what he gave me. And, and, and that is why I was, you know, he, he, he liked me so much from my point of view. I appreciated the fact he was giving me something to do. And it was something different to what I'd always done in my career of being a straight-up wrestler. Aye. You know, it's kind of fun to do spicy. something. You're a bit spacey, mate. Do you think yeah. he gets some unfair criticism, Russell? I think he gets unfair criticism in that, in that I think he people seem to think he does things for the wrong reason. I mean, I know that he was always trying to get everybody on the show because he knew that a lot of guys are only paid per show. Oh, so, he, show. He so he'd always try and write yeah. segments which got as many people Pit. on TV at, at a time, just because he knew it helped out the boys. Oh, There's things like that that, don't, that you know people don't don't read about or understand. Um, and that can be a big thing if you if you're on a contract where you only get paid per episode, and you could be you could be you know flown over there and you're yeah. there for four days, and you might not get used until the last night, and you know even that that could be cut off due to time and then you don't get paid you know what I mean so it's a lot of fans yeah. forget that there's there's the kind of contracts out there or at least they were out there yeah exactly exactly right. um, but yeah I don't specifically agree with his philosophy on booking a show or booking TV show but you know that's that's mm. that's up to them and you know the management and they decided that he'd be the writer and that's fair enough I, all my job is to as a wrestler is to do what's given to me and make the mess of it and get myself over you know What's, what's your thoughts on the, the WWE UK? Has there been no approach for WWE to, for you to train? Because, I mean, you would seem like an absolute perfect guy to beat that performance centre and, and passing on knowledge, especially yeah. with the style of wrestling that they're, they're doing down there. There's, has there been none, nothing? Not recently. I did have a few little back and forths last year, just after the World of Sport thing. Um but no, it hasn't been. I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't say why really. Aye, no, I I, don't, and I it's don't funny because I, I remember uh, going down to watch Raw in two thousand and six, and I'm sure you were in a dark match with Carlito. I remember that. Oh yeah, in Manchester. Yeah. Aye. yeah. Was, was that the only time you ever really worked with them, or was it? Is that the? That's the only time I had a dark match. I've been at quite a few tapings as extra, you know, and uh, scheduled to do other things. Although I never seemed to do any, end up doing anything, which is which is good because he still got paid. Aye. But yeah, that dark match with Carly was the only 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 WWE match I've had. Yeah. Aye. So you're retired now, Doug. Is there anything that, that that would that would get you back into business? Is there anything that you can see that would you think? Oh, I would like to do that. You know, where it be maybe gone over to work for all elite 
Do you know if I, do you know if fancy a wee jump in that NWA power ah, that'd ring? Be perfect for you. Obviously, yeah. Nick Aldis is there. He's doing his thing, and I saw you on Twitter, Doug. Just recently, yeah, he had your wee eyes peeping at him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, speak, I, I mean, I speak to Nick now and then, and he asked me his opinion of the first show. And, you know, I, I told him I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Yeah, um, yeah, that'd be fun to get, you know, to go and help out there. Maybe agent a few of the, produce a few of their matches if they, you know, a few of their shows if they start building up a bit and they start, right. you know, moving towards, uh, uh, you know, a bigger, you know, a bigger run of shows and everything. I think it's a series, isn't it? Or they, they feel ongoing filming. I'm not sure. I think I, I think I think they tape a whole loads, didn't they? They tape like they tape loads in one block. Um, right. Well, we'd love to see that. We'd love to see you in there. That would be. That would be great. Because nobody's ever retired, are they? I mean, Shawn Michaels, he retired, and then the Saudis came, didn't they? Exactly. And offered them a fortune, yeah. and he was back. Nobody's I ever retired. I don't know about in-ring. I, I do agenting and working, helping out. But Well, that's. Do you think, how important do you think that is on, on a show in Britain? Because I've seen you pop up, and you're running backstage, and you're producing, and uh, yeah. it, it, really, it really does help when you've got somebody that's taking a note of the finishes and you know what people do in their matches to make sure... Something doesn't happen in the match before, and nothing is ever repeated. Yeah, is that something that you go out your way to try and get? You know, you know, work. No, I don't try. And, I don't go out my way to get it. I, I'll do it if, if people, people are, you know, want me to. Um, I'll do it. Like I work for a German wrestling federation in Berlin. Aye. Have you ever worked? Is that there? the COW? Yeah. Is it that? Yeah. They they film it for the internet, so they do like a live streaming pay-per-view on the internet you know so that's pretty good um but i don't do anything in this country really i don't i'm always curious as to asking wrestlers this right particularly when they've retired would you ever go to a wrestling show as a fan no and just watch it just in the crowd yeah i'm tempted to do that a few times um but i could just see sitting there you know getting pissed off probably if i did that <laughs> thinking, why am i here watching this <laughs> you know i mean i think i'd rather just go and watch a show in the West End. <laughs> <laughs> but no, listen, Doug, thanks so much for coming on this show because what, what I said earlier is absolutely true. There was there was a long period when I was into, you know, Japanese wrestling and stuff like that. Yeah. You you were the scene, it felt like, for a long time here in the UK, you know what I mean? And it was, it's an impressive, impressive thing to have done, man, to have, to have done that for all the years, you know what I mean? Right. And if there's any <laughs> listeners to the show... That, that doesn't know much about Doug, go back and watch his matches for early Ring of Honor, his stuff in Japan, uh, just as second to none. Honestly, Doug, you're you are one of my favourite wrestlers of all time, and it's been good catching up with you, big man. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Thanks very much, mate. Have a happy, healthy retirement, man. You've earned it. Thank you, mate. Cheers. See you later, right, man. Cheers right, thank you. Thanks, Thanks very much, mate. All right, catch you later thank on. You great, Doug. Cheers, cheers Doug. Thank, thank you. you. No time for your chance to win beer. And our Beer 52 match of the week. Now, last week, our match as chosen by the wonderful Grado himself was Raven versus Jeff Jarrett for the NWA Heavyweight Championship from April 2003. There were a lot of run-ins in this match. And we asked the question, who was they involved? Uh, who was they? <laughs> who didn't they run in? Gary McDonald said the Shockmaster. Adam mm, said... Was he definitely... Well, I don't know. Right, OK. I don't know. Adam said Papa Shango. And Lyndon Sims says... I know that the world-famous trio Chips, Cheese and Donner Meat were no, not involved. They were still paying our dues. Yep, I know that's because of They that. may be part of the ring no, that no, night. No, no, He says on that night, they were six-man tagging with two pints of lager and a packet of crisps on Brighton Pier. <laughs> <laughs> True. That's funny, isn't it? Aye. That's good. I like that, London. In fact, fucking get the belt off that Stu Bro guy and get it to him. 
Too late. No, it's too late. Can't do that. The correct answer, however, of course, was Funaki. Uh, as that was right, Funaki was not involved in that match yep. in uh, Nashville that night. So big congratulations to Gary Cassidy. You have won yourself a crate of Beer 52. That'll be flinging its way through your man's living room Monday as we speak. So now we've got even more chances for you to win beer. We pick a classic wrestling match for you to watch. Now you have today is answer a question on it. This week it's Rab's match, and everybody that gets the right answer, they will put into a draw, and you can win this luscious beer from Korea. So Rab, what's your match to, and what's the question? Well, we've had Doug Williams on the show, and we've been talking about the British style of wrestling. Uh, so my match this week is Arm Anderson versus Lord Stephen Regal. 10.09.1993, find it on YouTube and you will see Arm Anderson come out there and get in the ring with Stephen Regal and work that British style that Regal loves so well. And Regal also loves a lot of good comedy as well, doesn't he? He loves comedy, Stephen Regal. He loves British comedy and he loves Ken Dodd. He does. And he loves all the end of the peer comedians and he's some lad. Some black on it. But I tell you something else, what a fucking wrestler he is. And look at Stephen Regal's face in this match, by the way. Well, he sells how sore these moves are. And what I want you to do is I want you to watch this match and I want you to let me know how does this match end? What is the finish of this match? All right. So winners must be over 18 and stay in the UK. So if you're listening for Mount Kilimanjaro, it's not even a country, is it? It's a fucking mountain. <laughs> uh, <laughs> then you can... <laughs> uh, then you can... <laughs> hey, come on. If you can... <laughs> Stay in the UK, you can enter. All you need today is go to beer52.com slash wrestling and we can sort you free beers as long as you cover the 4 of 95 for the postage. And as you're a wrestling daft listener, we'll give you two extra free beers in your first box. So that's a total of 10 free beers. Your first box will be sent to you next day and will contain beer for all your career. It's a monthly subscription service for beer and Beer52. They don't hold you to ransom so you can leave at any time. So just go to beer52.com slash wrestling to get your first case of 10 beers for absolutely free. Well, folks, listen, thanks so much for tuning in to another fantastic episode of tuning in. I'm just so old school for going, downloading, streaming a new episode of Wrestling Daft. I, I want to say something before we go. I want to say something before we go Ooh. about Grado. That's what I want to say. Because let me tell you, this is one hard-working guy. This is an unbelievably hard-working guy. He's been working all day. He's in there in this podcast. He's been working all day, hard working, working all week, wrestling at the weekend. An incredible work ethic. Like, all joking aside, Grado, I just want the listeners to know the shift you're putting in today, this show, and your schedule, to fit this show on your schedule. It's easy for me. I'm just a guy writes in his house. But you're a hard-working guy, and you're fitting this in. I want I just, the fans to appreciate you. I just feel sorry for the editors. I have to constantly edit me out because I'm just my brain's that fried. I'm that knackered for just getting up at seven bells every morning and... Got to do these puddles. But uh, do you know what? I love it. But see, when I'm no busy, that's I hate that. I hate that. Mate, your brain being... fried is a fucking better brain than all these fucking other assholes' brains when they're at full capacity. <laughs> know what I mean? Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Rap. And I, I, did, need you, I can't wait. I can't wait to. Uh, as I say, well, the panel season is going to be good. I'm hoping, hoping that some of the listeners for wrestling daft decide to come along to the panel and cheer me as I'm playing Geppetto at Pinocchio. Sorry, at the Pavilion. <laughs> See what I mean, mate? Right, before, I'm all up. before we go, sorry. Uh, I don't know if any of the listeners of the show know this, but I'm a WWE shareholder. 
Like well, genuinely. You've told me that before, haven't you? I'm yeah. a WWE shareholder, so a wee thing I would like to do at the end of the show for new one. How much money you made? Is, I'm not going to tell you exactly how much money I've made, but I'm going to go on the new and I'm going to tell you how the share price is doing and how my investment is doing. Do right. you make money out of it? I can go into my free trade app, the new. They're not giving them any free business. Don't join me them because they're no sponsored. Us around. Mm. Like, just wait until the day before we do this. I'm just going to go and check out how my world wrestling entertainment investment has gone, and it's doing 25.37 percent. <laughs> So if you so, lose money out of that, no. I, I want you to remember that, works. right? See, listeners out there, see when you are trashing the WWE online and you're slagging off Seth Rollins and you're saying AEW is better than NXT, you're hitting Rab Florence right in the pocket. You're trashing the share price. So I want you to get behind Seth Rollins. Get behind him. Do you realise there's a fucking guy out there, right? You've got wings, mate. There's a guy out there who's trying to make me money. There's a guy out there who comes out... They put a fucking red light on for him. They put a red light bulb on and he comes out holding a, a, a fucking plastic head. And he comes walking down there putting a graft in. A big, he's a kind of fat guy, you know. Aye, right? yes. Calls himself the fiend and the fiend is out there to buy my fucking wee lassie shoes. So you, so when you are slagging off the fiend, right, for carrying out a big fucking rub, rubber head for Tam Shepherds, you're hitting me in the pocket. Thanks for listening to the show. <laughs> See you next time. Hey! Rob, I'm Aaron. It's yourself. Fuck you, Jim Cornette. This is Four Network.